And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. Hello and welcome to part two of our Beatles episode. We're joined by JP and Steve from the podcast You Can Do It, Do It. If you missed part one, we talked a bit about how JP and Steve have managed to avoid listening to one of the most popular bands of all time. And we also chatted a bit about our own personal histories with the band. Last episode, we chatted about A Hard Day's Night and Revolver. Today, we'll be discussing Magical Mystery Tour and Abbey Road. Let's get into Magical Mystery Tour. What number was that? Was an EP, right? Well, hold on. So, Revolver is seven. So, this would be nine. Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper were released in the same year. That's So this Magical Mystery Tour was November 27, 67. So like they were starting to work on this as they were rolling out Sgt. Pepper. So it's like, again, like they were just like, okay, this is what we do now. We don't tour. We don't perform. Mm. Um, they did do like a television film for this. I think that was McCartney's idea, like with the Magical Mystery Tour. It's like, oh, we'll do this thing. And it was initially like an EP and then they kind of filled it out. Yeah, the this the US release had it was a double album, but that second yeah. disc was all singles that had been released and they had a thing where if we released it as a single that wasn't from an album, we're not putting it on a record. Hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing that gets confusing is like the US releases would often get kind of butchered from their original versions. Yeah, and speaking to JP's point about the the intense Wikipedia uh crowd who are upkeeping all these entries there is a point where they talk about the the unification of the beatles catalog and it sounds like this like this kind of <laughs> cataclysm or something it's it, it seems like a much more important epoch in yeah. in history than it actually is but again it, yeah i mean i'm still <clears throat> i'm still sleeping was that the one uh from that wasn't even on the original i'm only revolver. sleeping i'm only sleeping sorry uh that wasn't i guess it wasn't even on the original revolver and like there's all this weird stuff about the way they reorganized and i think like the track orders are different between uk and us stuff and um why i'm not entirely sure numbers are uh yeah they have different numbers their toilets going to british english versus american English. there's a conversion oh that's right yeah metric system yeah they got rid of any instance of a song with a lyric that would have had an uh o-u-r where it could have just been an (laughs) o-r Pounds or dollars, yeah, uh-huh. stones or pounds. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. references to the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for first for, for <laughs> so for magical and mystery we never tour, finished. <laughs> <laughs> so for magical mystery tour, we definitely deviated from probably the obvious choices. Yeah, can, I. Yeah. Can you name one obvious choice? Well, I wanted yellow. Or the first song we're going to talk oh, is that about. On this one? I don't know. The oh. first song we're going to talk about is Blue Jay Way. Yep. Yeah. I I felt like we should have put I Am the Walrus. Yeah. And oh, I was just like, yeah, I kinda know you guys that. can listen to that. We could talk about something else. Yeah. Mm. I think it's, I, I mean, again, I love I Am The Wallace. It's, it's, I Am The Wallace. Cuckoo Kachu. I, I love <laughs> I, I Am, am The Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Am William Wallace. Cuckoo Kachu Cuckoo. Let my people go. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Freedom. <laughs> He's got two big tests. <laughs> That's why he has a speech impediment. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I can't um, do my work. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of threw a big curveball with Blue Jay Way. Yeah. Yes. So let's play that. There's a fog upon LA. And my friends have lost the way. Soon 
Tony, thoughts? Yeah, you know, whatever, fine. I get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it feels longer than it probably actually, how long is it? Ten minutes. Oh, God, oh so no, never mind. It feels, it's feels so that long. sounds about right. No, it's only like three minutes. <clears throat> yeah, well, it feels like ten. Um, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, this, so I had never actually sat down and listened to Magical Mystery Tour. And this felt like a song to me that was like, oh, this this seems like it's probably best in context. Uh, turns out uh, the context doesn't help. I, I was not a fan of this record. Mm. You weren't a fan of this or record? Like, I, 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 as I'm listening, like, yeah, I, I, I felt like listening to it, we should have just put Sgt. Pepper on there. Huh. So who, who picked this wow. song? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. This is a Matt pick. Okay, so he's yeah. to blame. I'm to blame. Uh, but, you know, but there's also the fact that it's, um, you know, it is an EP with just a shitload of singles tacked onto the end to it. So it doesn't, it feels less of a, a whole mm-hmm. than the other records we've been talking about, hmm. which seem to have a, a more, uh, you know, clear vision. Sure. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm yeah. just, this is certainly not my favorite Beatles song by a stretch. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and if you know, and again, this is one where we were talking about this or I am the walrus, and I think I am the walrus is uh, similarly trippy but more accessible and uh, sure. f- more fun. I think I wanted to I pick this because I think it I I love its texture and I get it like yeah. getting lost in it, mm-hmm. and I do think that melody of the chorus is pretty great, and even the melody of the verse is just really sort of defiantly like not much of a progression, but it yeah, is yeah. rhythmic. And it kind of works with the Leslie speaker. And, and the tempo and the, changes. The, the tempo too. does change. Yeah. And then like the swirling of the end, it's almost like they're matching the production with the songwriting. Sure. Um, and I also think like, as you were saying, that certain songs could branch off and become its own genre. And I mm-hmm. definitely think that this is one of them. And it feels like it was maybe a bit ahead of some of the other things. Because mm-hmm. um, maybe it is the weirdest of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and you know, uh, it's definitely something where your mood is going to determine how sure. you feel about it. Yeah, I can imagine listening to this a year from now and being in a completely different headspace and being like, "Oh, I was an idiot that last time," mm. but then probably changing the year after that. Yeah, yeah, it's a song that's in constant flux. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree with you about the album in general. I think every song could be a single, as opposed to Sgt. Pepper, which I. I don't feel that way. Although like, you know, Sergeant Pepper has day in the life, but you know, mm-hmm. what are you sure. going to do? No. Um, I've always gravitated toward this record more. I think Penny Lane, I am the walrus, um, strawberry fields. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that too is looking at what else we could have picked. Sure. And I was like, I why are we doing this, Matt? Explain again, yourself. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. No. So what do you think? What do you think JP? I thought the song was challenging, yeah, especially on the first listen of it. Uh, I I enjoyed the atmospheric aspect of it. Um, what did I write down? So like psychedelic electronic music. It felt it felt 
like it like it was giving birth to something else that other people would utilize uh, i also actually liked we were talking a little bit about how uh, ringo's underrated i liked how he kind of like played around on the beat a little bit with a lot of his fills on the snare so like sometimes he's like coming in in the beginning of the beat sometimes he's coming he's like starting early on like he's he's just like flowing along with the song and so I thought those aspects were pretty interesting. And I, I actually really enjoyed uh, the cello kind of yeah. coming underneath towards great... the, the latter half of the song. Or maybe it came on pretty early. I, I... Y- yeah. Uh, well, it changes. But, yeah. Um, it has a great melody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that layering was really interesting to me. I do I do think this definitely the first time I listened to it, it was like, whew. Sure. They're, they're just more drugs now. I didn't know. I thought they had gotten enough. And but. I think that's why I chose it to... Uh, it, I again i like a good challenge and i wanted yeah. to represent all aspects and i think like if we're saying like i want you to listen to this whole album but for the p- purpose of this i want to talk about other things and i think it's easy to talk about because like i am the walrus is, is great but like we've kind of already started talking about that with things with revolver whereas mm. this feels like a it's a weird step uh, yeah. and it's strange especially coming from george um mm where his stuff later on tends to be a little more peaceful, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the soulful one. Uh, and this one is just, uh, is not aggressive, because it no, does have there, that dreamlike quality to it. There's an anxious, kind of like simmering darkness behind it. Yeah. I mean, that's like my favorite music. I gravitate yeah. towards that stuff. So, mm-hmm. And I think with this song, it's always always surprises me. And I, that's what I look for in any music. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's why I chose this. This felt like an intentionally challenging song. So <laughs> much so that going back, and again, you know, pretty much for all these, but going back to the album, it made the album make a lot more sense to me and actually made the album a lot more accessible. So I had tried to listen to Magical Mystery Tour at one point in the past because I, I think I'd either gotten a recommendation for it or someone had covered a song from it. And I wanted to kind of hear like, okay, what, what's this what is this and i did not like it it was it was just like trippy it was weird it just didn't fit right with the type of music that i was listening to but like this song again is like an entry into it it's like all right i've heard it a few times in the playlist now i'm familiar with this concept and what they're trying to do here that the album opens up again right it it becomes more accessible like i listen to songs like i am the walrus strawberry fields forever penny lane is, all you need is love is on here right amazing and, yeah and I, I had no i like no idea that those were on there or that they fit in you know to such a degree that they do with the the rest of the collection here so where was the split where was um magical mystery tour the ep and then you know where do those tracks fit in terms of were those the singles that were kind of tacked on to the u.s release i think no i think because there was an ep released in the uk and the lp was always considered an lp oh okay so it was considered as a full thing that they did because they were again like a lot of this stuff was there's a lot of overlap while they were recording yeah because like they were they would start working on certain things while other albums were finishing up being mixed and et cetera, et cetera. so they had so much stuff that were kind of going around at the okay. time so i i thought i had read something where john was upset with however it was released somewhere because <laughs> the, it included a bunch of singles that weren't meant to be included on an album and that irritated him and then knowing that and listening to it my interpretation was oh okay these are all great songs but they all kind of feel like they're just kind of jammed in here so maybe i you know 
created a narrative sure. for myself and I think well well okay so according to Wikipedia the soundtrack for the actual live thing was six songs okay but that I guess was too many for an EP but too few for an LP mm-hmm. so then they were just like well we do need more songs gotcha. so that that's when it became an LP I guess got it okay yeah. I can't imagine like obviously Sergeant Pepper was sort of conceived as a concept but like something like revolver wasn't you know they're just recording a batches of right. songs and stuff mm-hmm. so maybe along those same lines sure if you were to say hey you know what's your what, what's your most favorite your least favorite song this one would probably top least favorite on this playlist sure um not because it's not good i i, th- I think actually partially it's because the rest of the tracks are actually like that much better better yeah and, and again i think that was partly by design yeah i sure. wanted something challenging yeah it's here. hard yeah. yeah i mean i'm i'm being combative on purpose here but you know i'm glad sure. that it's on here because it we did try to uh create a, a sort of image of the band in its entirety within the limited yeah. songs we gave you because like if this is the weirdest they have on this record um I, and that's still relatively accessible yeah. i think um and this was really popular not necessarily this song in general but the record was the record sold really well sure uh, all their records did so um i felt like there was some this song is very interesting to me and again i think it it it's always new feels new every time i hear it whereas i think a lot of the other songs are instantly familiar especially like all you need is love mm-hmm. or even yeah or, i am the walrus is too that's a pretty popular <laughs> song um yeah. But, uh, and sometimes it's hard for me to separate because, like, I know all these songs so well. So yeah. I can hear a song like Penny Lane, and like, everybody knows Penny Lane. Um, but obviously, with you two, no. Yeah. So, I, Walrus, I like vaguely know. This, yeah. this song, I can see why people think Ringo's a bad drummer. Like, I know you liked some of the things that he was doing. Yeah. And I, I listen to this and I'm like, he, it just sounds lazy. Yeah, like, I think it it's what's like necessary. It's lazy drumming for the song. that suits the song but does no more. And like I, I totally get like the, you know, suits the song mentality. Yeah. But I think that there are greater contributions that someone could have made to this song rhythmically, even to not. Yeah. I think I think some of the other tracks just to I would not say that exclude about. to not yeah. even include the drums. Like I think if you pulled the drums out of the song, you'd actually have a better song. I don't know about that because like the way it's mixed, it's I think it's at the right spot, and I think without it it might be too you get too too lost and i think it especially when it changes up and then you hear some of those fills in the back half i think those things are really integral to the structure of the song Hmm. um and another song we haven't mentioned is fool on the hill which is a Hmm. massive song um and and it's it's beautiful so yeah we could have chosen any number of things but (laughs) in the second song we chose also sort of feels like a uh, left field choice. Yeah, so Tony, you picked this one. Yeah. And and this is our exchange. Was, I love Tony for picking this song, by but the this way. But our exchange was, <laughs> he said this and I am the walrus. And I said, give me Blue Jay Way. No, I, I think I said, well, why did you pick this? And he said, I like it. And I said, okay, fine. You could keep it as long as you give me Blue Jay Way. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I was not going to be able to go toe to toe with you like on anything beyond that. So I... <laughs> I'm like, challenge me to say I'm wrong for liking yeah, a thing. You don't. No, you don't. <laughs> the caveat with all of this is that I like it all. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's hard to be like, no, because like, yeah, I like. 
So. Yeah. Oh, for me, I thought that this was this. This is a, a a song that I like, but it's. I'm also aware that this is like a a, a lower tiered Beatles song. Yeah. Um. Hmm. And for the in for the intent of this exercise, that's sort of why I chose it. Sure. Or, or JP or, and I were singing this, walking around literally. The or, it's or, super <laughs> catchy. It's yeah, so okay. exactly. In the like, shouty chorus, let's let's well, play. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah. My thinking here was even, uh, you know, uh, they don't all have to be some of the greatest pop rock songs ever written. Like, this is still uh, absurdly catchy. It's still a really good song. So even they're, they're, even they're, when they're not necessarily putting out, like, their, their all-time greats, like, they're, they're still doing work that is... It's still great. It's still great. Yeah. If, I mean, when I heard it, I felt like this... It felt like the earliest song I've ever heard that would make a group of people want to sing along to it because they even do it in the song itself like there's so many people backing it up just like f- there's a feeling of having fun this is the song that mick jagger's in he does backing vocals on it um wow yeah it's just it's hanging out in the studio man yeah it's so fun it's that type of song that is there there are lots of examples of this now but i was listening to it it's just like every you just want to join in when they're yeah. singing and, and, and then they man. take that to its natural conclusion with all you need is love the following track Oh, okay. Where everyone is just it's a big sing along. So and then they oh, do yeah, it again yeah. with with Hey Jude, which mm. is even bigger sing along. It's like how can we top ourselves? Yeah. This song is one of those songs that I listen to and I'm like, I it gives me no hesitation to think about writing more music. Because there's so many just even like lyrically, like thinking about of it, uh, you know, just reading the words, it's like Baby, you're a rich man. Baby, you're a rich man. Baby, you're a rich man, too. You keep all your money in a big brown bag inside a zoo. What a thing to do. It's just... It's, yeah, it's like, just like dumb wordplay. It's innocent. It's childlike. It's fun. I'm sure that there are deeper connotations and meanings and, and things that other people pull from it, right? But and that but that's the whole purpose of, like, of music is it's not necessarily just like literature where you read it and you you know dissect it and figure it out like there's a musical feeling and a congruence to their songs like this is a fun song these are fun lyrics there might be something about the man in here but you know they're not pink floyd right it doesn't have to be this big serious thing sure. to make a point I, they get serious uh and i would argue that pink floyd also gets pretty on the nose sometimes too <laughs> yeah. but i think sometimes with you know pop songs i think I think there's a place for that. And I think at a point too, Lennon was also like, I think he liked doing these weird sort of like, I, I could do whatever I want things hmm. where like, Oh, I want this to be playful and silly. And cause you know, uh, on the next record, you know, something like come together has some, hmm. or even I am the walrus <laughs> has some pretty, I think it's like word association kind of stuff. Like there's no real meaning for sure. some of it, yeah. you know, the, uh, the synth, 
like keyboard type thing in the song. I think that's more kind of loopy things. Uh, They called it the clavioline. It was like an early version of a synth keyboard, I guess. Yeah, because I was wondering what that sound was. I think those are kind of like those early oscillating kind of synths, which have like you play them with like these little kind of rods. Okay. So you almost like a theremin, except for it's not the antenna. It's actually like has the notes, but they're all kind of like. They're not keys. They're mm. all just kind of laid out like on a strip. Oh, and weird. And you could kind of like, my dad has built stuff like that. So he's an electrical engineer. So okay. he's built kind of synthesizers and stuff. So um, they're fun, but mm. they're hard to actually know where the notes are. I would bet, yeah. Yeah. Just like a theremin. Like anytime you hear someone play a theremin, it's just like, how did you do that? Right. It's pretty impressive. So yeah. So let's move on to Abbey Road. Sure. So it. again, mm. we skipped the White Album. Can I Can I read a little bit about the White Album that I read? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I hope it's just him silently reading to himself. For It'd be awesome. If he's, I want to read these lyrics. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll try to read the lyrics. Through. Happy birthday. <laughs> well, the, because it's interesting. So I, I was trying to figure out a little bit of context about like what was happening, and so I, I looked up like you know who, what musicians were playing when the Beatles were around, like trying to figure out like what's the context because you know you ask Siri to play songs from like the 1950s, and you get like. How much is that doggy in the window? Woof, woof. That's a club it's, banger. It's yeah, but like I, I don't know. It's sort of the you know, the the music around the time was like, what did the Beatles enter into when they came out with this music? Like what was happening, right? So I wanted to get a little bit of context. And this uh, this was written uh, Rolling Stone magazine. It's eighteen pages. I'm gonna read the whole thing real quick. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, but. Uh, the first couple of paragraphs I want to read. So the power of rock and roll is a constantly amazing process. Although Isn't that a it, Huey Lewis song? Sorry. <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. Although it's Bob Dylan who's the single most important figure in rock and roll. And although it's the Rolling Stones who are the embodiment of rock and roll band. It's nonetheless the Beatles who are the perfect product and result of everything that rock and roll means and encompasses. Like, <laughs> uh, And that was written when it came out? This is written on December 21st, 1968. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, whatever else it is or isn't, and this is about the White Album, it's the best album they have ever released, and only the Beatles are capable of making a better one. You're either hip to this or you ain't. The impact of it is so overwhelming that one of the ideas of the LP is to contain every part of extant Western music through the all-embracing medium of rock and roll that such categorical and absolute statements are imperative. Just a slightly closer look shows it to be far more deliberate, self-conscious, pretentious, organized, and structured, coherent, and full. A more perfect album than Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The Beatles is the history and synthesis of Western music. And that, of course, is what rock and roll is. And that is what the Beatles are. The Beatles are rock and roll music and so like one of the things you know as we're getting into abbey road that i wanted to mention was like i had a little bit of an epiphany about how i initially thought about the beatles was when i would listen to music and say everything is you know when i hear the beatles it sounds like it's you know been done before right like i'm i'm visiting this like old thing that that was and it just feels old right no real life to it the the new music has just done more with those things and now this is no longer interesting yeah, this is an artifact these are ruins yes but i would say that now to listen to the beatles and to think about the beatles is to think about and listen to music like the Beatles encompass what music is. And I think that this review kind of gets to that of like, if you're going to talk about music, 
if you're not talking about the Beatles, you're missing something here. Yeah, it's like it's 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 a big map. It's almost like not the center, but it's going to guide you along to other trails or other other paths, other roads. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's important. Yeah, it's not where music starts, but it is a uh, important you know branch on that yeah. evolutionary chart. I'm always sort of taking it back when people are just like instantly dismissive of them because it almost feels like it's that's an easy thing to do because mm. it's not placing them in, within the context of what they accomplished and who they influence. But also like and like you never want to use like popularity or sales as a barometer for things, but you can when they're also as influential and weird as they get. So I think sometimes that's what maybe separates them some from Lincoln Park. <laughs> from Lincoln, they sold Park. many yeah. tens of millions of albums. <laughs> sure, I do think that's. I mean, or the Stones, you know? I'm yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure people would. I mean, I agree. I'm sure people of... would probably disagree on that. I I think people prefer some people prefer the Stones. I don't, but um, but even they? something smaller like I don't like the Kinks maybe or something. Sure. You know, like I think they're an important band. I think they're a great band, but I don't know if you could necessarily. But it's a more narrow lane. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were doing a lot of weird stuff too. Yeah, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a tricky yeah. one. But yeah, I do think like because again, we, we're saying like this all happened within the span of even Sergeant Pepper or, or Revolver to Let It Be um, is only like six years. That's yeah. n- that's nothing, and the right. change within that, n- not only with them as a band, but culturally, what was happening in the sixties is insane. I mean, and that's one fascinating thing about Mad Men, which you brought up earlier, is it's yeah. kind of showing that arc and, and how these people were just kind of left behind because there was change was so quick. Do you prefer Sgt. Pepper to the White Album? Uh, I wouldn't say so, but, yeah. uh, you know, for me, the White Album becomes a chore to listen, to finish. Huh. Uh, I do think that second half can be a bit of a, a, a challenge. And maybe it's just the density of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Um, but it, it's it's been a while since I've sat down with yeah. it, cover to cover. My top two are White Album and Abbey Road. Probably, I would put on White Album over anything, mm-hmm. primarily because I it has so much to offer. Sure, it has all aspects of the band. It's weird and it's messy and it is challenging. Yeah. And those are all things that I want. I mean, it, it could be a familiarity thing too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know how often I would when I had that on CD. I don't know how often I was in the car to be able to listen to the whole thing. So I know yeah. that first half really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think too, that it's one of those records that I felt that it's something that I knew and understood because oh, it's the Beatles. It's the white album. Hmm. And the first time I actually listened to it, I was like, this, what I, 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 what is this? Yeah. Um, what the so, hell is glass onion? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or happiness is a warm gun. Mm hmm. It's remarkable, helter skelter. Yeah, but or but even on the back half, long, long, long is is pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, and it's a underlooked Harrison song. I mean, uh, and helter skelter's in the back half too. So, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, but anyway, we need to keep moving. But yeah, White Album, listen to it. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then after Actually, that, sorry, go ahead. No, I. I I, when I realized White Album wasn't on here, I, I went to it and listened to Helter Skelter just because I was like, I know stuff about this song. Uh, and it definitely, I hear that like early 
heavy rock mm-hmm. metal kind of influence, mm-hmm. which McCartney seems to have dissociated himself from, I guess, because like Charles Manson kind of got behind Helter Skelter. And- uh, yeah, he absorbed he absorbed that term yeah yeah and so he's kind of like no it's it didn't start metal it didn't start anything it doesn't matter it's yeah. like uh i hate that guy killed so many people actually he didn't kill that many people but... <laughs> anyways it was an interesting he killed he killed enough of them. oh and man he killed well, enough one person is here one person is too many you can do it one woman to stab a pregnant lady six times it's oh. not that big of a deal she was oh, pregnant whoa. i didn't know that Oof, oh yeah sharon tate yeah jeez yeah, I, w- I want to hear if you, if you watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or, yeah. and enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah, oh yeah, I loved so it. Yeah. Okay, um, that's another episode. Yesterday. <laughs> We're getting soundtracked. Yesterday, soundtracked. I got my We've been soundtracked. You're going to play the next one? Gone. Yeah, so then after that, they tried to do, you know, they released um, Yellow Submarine as uh, the soundtrack to the animated movie, uh, which again had a few new songs and some older stuff and a mix of stuff. And then they tried to get back together and do something that felt a little no that's right so they tried to get back to their roots by you know being a band again and playing in a room together and that was the let it be sessions and they released that after abbey road uh officially yeah i think there was like the concert that they did on the rooftop um and because they went back to george martin and just like we want you to produce our our next record and he's like if you do it properly like an actual record because uh, I, 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 if you want me to be a part of it, I want to be a part of it. I don't want what, what, what's been happening. Mm. Um, but Abbey Road was kind of fraught because Martin was bouncing back between rooms because you know Lennon was in here working on this and McCartney was in here working on this and Harrison was in this room and they monopolized the whole studio and they were all Ringo kind of, was outside eating a hamburger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Ringo was there and he was doing his job, drumming. <laughs> <laughs> Abbey Road was their 11th record, and that was September 26th uh, of 69. Nice. So right at the tail end (laughs) of 69. (laughs) Um, My wife. All right, let's just play a fucking song. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Okay, so little anecdote here. Mm. We're going long, so fuck it. We're doing it live. Sorry, <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> do you get that reference? Yeah. Uh, oh shit, I yeah, do. But a- I'm sorry, I'm not gonna say it because it's awful. It's Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> you oh, never seen that clip? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, fuck it, we're doing it live. <laughs> sorry, anecdote. What's the guy who wrote the uh, the software programming books? Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anecdote. I was playing in a band. Uh, I was just playing drums for this in this band and uh we had booked a gig at ace 220 actually uh and it was an acoustic show so i just kind of brought like a stripped down kind of set and we're like halfway through the set and the lead singer guitarist turns to me he's like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do here comes the sun i'm like all right cool he's like why don't you uh play tambourine i'm like 
just you on guitar and me on tambourine? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, that seems unnecessary. He's like, no, 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 do it. It'll be good. Okay. So I played tambourine for the whole song, but Meg tells me that you could see the disdain in my face the whole time, (laughs) (laughs) but I was like performing. So I was like, you know, like making these wild gestures behind him and like, like raising my arms above my head and like really (laughs) selling it. And, and I thought everyone was charmed by it and because the, the singer couldn't see me. I was right behind them. <laughs> and she's like, you are such an asshole. Aww. But I do like this song. I, I also yeah. have a, an anecdote about Great. this song. So what year did George die? Was that 2002 uh, or 2000? I mean, I mean, hmm, could have been 2003, I guess. 2001. Oh, okay. When, uh, when I was in high school, we had a, a sound recording technology class. So basically, like we'd learn recording, mixing, MIDI keyboards we were the idiots they would let run sound and lights for assemblies and stuff uh, so the morning that you know what he so George Harrison passed away and uh, I had sound tech for the first class of the day either I don't know if he died that day or he died the night before so we're all sitting around the teacher who uh, was a few years older than our parents would have been like wasn't there he shows up like 10 minutes late with a guitar in his hand and doesn't say anything and he sits down and he plays this song and then he doesn't say anything and he gets up and he like puts it away and then he just comes back and decides to start class as if nothing had happened (laughs) and we're all just like shocked but it was sort of like the first time that I I really you know as a a 16, 17 year old who is like oh the Beatles or whatever like it's like oh this, this is this is important to people and that that moment is sort of like stuck in my brain for twenty years now. It's it's really it was a a powerful and you know depending on who I tell the story to, they're either like ah oh, or like oh that's pretentious that guy sucks. Um, I'm like I don't know if that's the right I don't take, think, yeah. but but I, I it's think a again, intense. It, a little intense, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just this wow. really powerful moment, and I was happy I was there. To share it now I don't know he could have done that to every class that day which makes me feel cheap if that's the case but if not <laughs> he'd I, actually been doing it for 15 years just waiting for the day and you just you would yeah. always miss the beginning of class you're always you know, like classic Tony just late for every class he had done it in the 80s and then George bounced back yeah he's oh uh, well I'll bring um, it back in the 2000s yeah, um, yeah so I was just it, it has always stuck with me that's a good story yeah it's yeah. better than mine nah here's your hateful fun. story I don't understand how you could play here comes the sun with a guitar and a tambourine. It feels wrong. Exactly. Yeah. That's based on what I, because that, that that's the thing that immediately stuck out to me about this song. Cause this was one of the few songs that I knew like that was like, Oh yeah, I know here comes the sun. Uh, but it was like, I had never actually listened to it before uh, because I never paid attention to the, the, the progressive layering that happens throughout the song. And without that, it doesn't feel like it would be the same song. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the demo version of it and it's, Quite lovely with just an acoustic guitar in, okay. in him, and he has such a beautiful voice. And that melody is great, and the guitar, the hook is great too. The mm-hmm. da 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's indelible. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. knows that. So, like, uh, I do think it can work with all those layers, but sure. I think the layering is just like the special sauce. That's, that's what impressed it to me, like impressed upon me, and what I enjoyed about it. And that, just for Abbey Road in general. You know, I, as they progress, and I mean, I know you guys like hand selected these things, so like I'm being a little bit guided. You know, you're guiding me along to what I should believe. 
Uh, but once I got to Abbey Road, it felt like they they really got how to do ex- like more experimental layers while also keeping like a really accessible core. Sure. Uh, like with this song, it was all I had ever gotten before was that accessible core. But then when I actually listened to it, I realized all this other stuff going on in it. Yeah, the, the synth that that's kind of like fills things in. But it's almost like, you know, it's chosen, it's purposefully chosen when it enters. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that's the whole song. I think that's what makes it something like this have longevity as opposed to just being a nice song, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Because uh, I do think, like I said, Stripped Bear, it's still yeah. a lovely little piece. It's uh, not like Hey There Delilah, right? Like Hey There Delilah, Plain White Tees is like this, like, th- my opinion. It's this throwaway acoustic guitar <laughs> pop song, right? Sure. But people love it. People, people love it. People yeah. Like it. This song, people love it, but it's mm. not a it's not throwaway disposable, no. disposable yeah. song. Okay. I was worried there for a yeah. second. Yeah. I was worried yeah. that you were comparing it's the, the hey two. There, I'm comparing the two in terms of like, yeah. you know, I understand. you, you cool. can sit and play it with an acoustic guitar, mm. but yeah. this this song has power, just staying power. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, and the, the time signature in the middle too is really interesting yeah. and i guess he pulled ba, 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 yeah and i guess ba, ba, it's ba, ba. i mean i won't say it's still what four, it is four. specifically no yeah, it's not it. it's actually Same. it's it's four four eleven eight uh it's, it's four four but then it goes eleven eight four four and seven eight really yeah it's not because i was like this is definitely not four four but it's not seven it's not directly seven eight like there's a bunch of oh. layers of it um yeah, and it's actually taken wanna, wanna it's actually taken from indian classical music as a george harrison influence yeah um and that that like really stuck out to me because I was like, how did I totally miss this part of the song? Let we'll pull that. I was like, how? Yeah, it felt like I just had not actually been listening to the song all these years. I mean, not like I heard, not like I was constantly listening to the song, but this one was very familiar to me and obviously completely foreign at the same time. Uh, honestly, I mean, most of what I would say would piggyback on it. I, I think, you know, th- this song to me kind of feels sad, like knowing, I don't know, knowing a little bit about the story of yeah. Abbey Road. They're all kind of coming together. This is like kind of the last hurrah for the band in some ways. Mm-hmm. They may know it. They may not. But like this, this song's like, hey, everything's been terrible and now it's getting good and it's all right. Mm. And it's like, but really? <laughs> That's kind of the whole really? record. Yeah. So I. But you could choose to look at it and like, oh, it's a bummer. But also yeah. we can also look at it as an, a perfect final record. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, and, like how many bands could say that they went on on top like that? I guess while yeah, being so yeah. mad at each other, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, but you know, <sighs> no, yeah. no, I'm I'm not saying it. I, I'm I'm amazed by it actually yeah. because I I what I had said about like the pop sensibility and the experimental stuff, and then I read some stuff about Abbey Road and realized they're like, oh yeah, they weren't even like they were all recording in different parts and they weren't together. And I was like, oh wow, it doesn't sound like that. But, and so to no. to take that. F- the very first song that they had with the, you know, so how simple it is and how straightforward it is. The evolution over what is eight years 
between that hard yeah. day's night and and this mm-hmm. they figured it out and they nailed it mm-hmm. right like they they figured out the formula on how to make a perfect simple song work and remain timeless so the yeah. Beatles, they yeah. did it they're, they're gonna be big i think these guys are gonna make it i think yeah <laughs> i think they're gonna be popular i mean it, this was the best-selling vinyl of 2019 so. wow wow yeah is that did they re-release it Is they that, did okay. yeah it's a it's a box set it's oh. nice they, they sell also, it at target they're they also do. like uh, yeah. <laughs> they're running out of money making this album too right like they were having money problems or something or like maybe yeah i, I was also I surprised know. with that i'm like how is that possible what how do these bands do more this money than themselves? the beatles yeah yeah well i know that there's a lot of issues at a point too because they didn't own the rights to their songs i think that's it was something to and do i remember that. there was this whole debacle with michael jackson where they you know paul mccartney's like oh my songs are gonna i'm gonna buy them and then and then michael jackson bought them out from him i guess or something yeah. yeah, add that to the list of <laughs> not great things Michael Jackson may or may not have done. <laughs> Tony, just what? beat it. What did? Huh? <laughs> just beat no, it. no. Okay, let's move to the next one. Grab so, yourself right. an egg For, and eat it. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I love. I really love this song. My dad doesn't like this song. He's always like, "I don't get this song." But I'm just gonna play the tail end because I just, I just think it's the greatest it's thing. So ever. good. <laughs> I didn't know that this was a Beatles song. I'd never heard it before. But yeah, I would not have have pegged this to be a Beatles song. Yeah, I've heard it like it's been like on, sure. but I never would have been like, yeah, that's the Beatles. Yeah, especially that back half where there's no vocals. Like it could be a Sabbath song. Even even yeah. with them, I I don't I, mean, I I have no idea. I can't pick. You know, I don't know the difference between John Ringo or Shemp. So like, yeah, this I is don't a know John song. Like. It's a John song. Yeah. I mean, it does, yeah. like, a lot of it is kind of like a standard blues kind of thing. Yeah, and it is early about, on especially. It's about Yoko, and he just wanted to keep it really, really simple. And, mm-hmm. and um, But that ending, it's just yeah. otherworldly and nasty and yeah. slow and sludgy. Yeah, so, yeah. and it, again, feels like the birth of something. That's yeah. exactly, at the end, yeah. it was like doom metal, like yeah. prog metal, like mm-hmm. all these different things are, like, being birthed right now. Death yeah, Cab for Cutie, Narrow Stairs. <laughs> Big death cab. I will possess your heart. This came like right out yeah, of the song. Yeah. Um I looked and I you know, Sabbath started around this time. Yeah. And Zeppelin also had their first record around this time. So it's on the cusp. Again, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, did this inform that? Were they informing each other kind of thing? Um I do think another big um like a one of the big influences on on heavy stuff, heavy rock and, and hard rock is is Bowie's "The Man Who Sold the World," which is like an album full of this. Um, and you know that influenced Iggy Pop, and then you get a lot of more aggressive music and punk rock and all that stuff. So, you know, they're I, all kind I of never, like building um, from those things. 
I never think of those guys being contemporaries to the Beatles. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the way the Beatles are spoken of, the way they're sort of um, canonized, like they, they do feel like they belong out of time. So sure. like, yeah, it, it, it does yeah. blow my mind that their last, you know, so Let It Be came out in 70. Yeah. And I think that's when Sabbath's first record came out. Yep. The fact that those two overlap mm. at all. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah then yeah. you mentioned guys like Iggy Pop and yeah. Bowie. And I mean, I think Bowie's the extension of what they were doing. Sure. I think he took that and kind of went crazy with it. Um, and I think he's another version of this. He's the 70s version of this. And we can argue who is the different decades version of this, or, or at least attempting to do what this is. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I this song is always startling to me. <laughs> and uh, I just... I think that riff is just the greatest thing imaginable. You can hear elements of Radiohead in there and prog, like you said, and everything all from this song. And it's, it's deceptively simple and droney and all those things that we were talking about earlier, even with Blue Jay Way, you hear those kind of elements brought uh, to almost completion here. Yeah, I think it's terrific. And I, I, I was hoping that you would like this, JP. It was my favorite track of, of yeah. them all, yeah. Cool. I mean, it was a little, uh, the uh, verse, I guess, or no, the chorus, I guess. Yeah. Um, that went on too many times for me, a little bit. It was kind of, I got to a certain point, I was like, she is very heavy. I get it. You, you. <laughs> the layering of those harmonies is so great. But and his delivery, too, is just kind of like, it's guttural and just yeah. kind of angry for yes, a love the, song. Yes. Yeah. As it as it progresses in it, and it, yeah, as the actual like version of the, that he's singing progresses, yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really loved it. And that last two minutes, I could just listen to that like over and over. Forever. Again. It's so yeah. good. And uh, Ringo Starr does a, a wind machine on it. That's the sound you hear. He played the wind machine. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> That's terrific. Um, and, 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 I, I, can that Ringo, be my, Ringo, my only lighting this whole episode? <laughs> JP didn't say anything until he said, Ringo Starr played the wind machine. Yeah. We, we, want, we came for JP and we stayed for three hours to hear a wind machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and I love the lyric. I think it's, it's so simple but brilliant. This idea that, you know, she's heavy. Like, this is weighing down on my soul. It's not like she's physically heavy. It's this presence, yeah. you know? The weight of the relationship. The- yeah. The urge, yeah. What's the deal with the cutoff at the end? They uh, oh, I that? think I. So many of their songs have a fade out. I yeah, think, this one they literally. No, like, I think they ran. I, I, I want to look it up, but I think they ran out of tape. Oh man, I think that's it. Because this was the one song up. I went to the album and I was like, it's got it. The next song must like make yeah, sense of it, and it does not. And because of the second half being a, a, a big melo- uh yeah, big um, medley. Um, whenever I hear the song out of context, I also assume the same thing. I'm like, oh, uh, this is probably from the back half, and it, it bleeds into something. That, yeah, that it doesn't. Yeah, it says the rec- the the tape would have run out. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's crazy. It's too bad. Oh, I love the way it cuts fuck. off. I mean, yeah. it's you're right. It 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 actually has an impact, but they could have done so much more. The next seven minutes of that song would have been nuts. <laughs> it, it just would have been the same, and you would have been thrilled. <laughs> and I would have been like, yes, so dark. Oh, you should totally listen to the White Album because there's elements of that in the White Album. Nice. Um, yeah, so the last song uh, that we chose from Abbey Road is You Never Give Me Your Money.
nations you break down I never give you my number I only give you my situation And in the middle of investigation I break I chose this song because the back half of Abbey Road is all a medley. So it's all these songs that are interconnected and they recall elements from earlier in the record. And I thought this song was sort of encapsulated what that whole half of the record did in like three and a half minutes. Um, And, you know, this is McCartney. This is my favorite version of McCartney. uh, And this is my, I love songs that can and do everything that can can move from different sections and different hooks uh and keep you invested in the arc um and leave you wanting more so there may be one hook and you're just like i want to hear that again but i'm only hearing it once and i've heard this as a complaint with mccartney is that he has too many ideas and he puts them all into a song but that's that's the point to me and that's what separates him and makes him amazing and what makes this record probably my favorite Beatles record the one I revisit the most because it just it always feels fresh to me I'm still thinking about this one and I, I think that I, I think Matt's summary of it is is good enough for it's good it's good, good. it's good Ooh, no i read good i yeah honestly I'm, I'm still thinking about this one and i think matt's summary is like kind of good enough for me on it it's there's more here that i'm gonna need to spend more time with and that's that's like how i felt about this song the first time i hear it we just you know listen to the the sample of it again and it's like it's three things in one that are just like i'm not done with yet and i i think that's kind of like in the spirit of this show right like it's it's kind of kind of exposing you to something that gives you more to chew on after and that's always the thing that i liked about what did we miss is like you guys like intro things in such a way that it's like it kind of whets people's appetite and then provides you know further opportunities for exploration and damn you because now i'm watching veronica mars still (laughs) (laughs) and and now there's like you know there's there's this rabbit hole right? really influenced by the beatles sure (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I think I need more time with it. But ultimately, yeah, it's 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 freaking weird, and I do like it. But I don't know. I don't have a formed opinion yet, other sure. than that. Yeah, there's a lot to chew on with. I mean, with this and this whole half of this record, I, for me, it's always because while it is a lot, it's still super accessible. Like each chunk is like filled with hooks mm. not only is the melody a hook like the piano's a hook and 
the bass line. And we haven't talked about Paul as a bass mm. player, but like he writes melodies for his bass lines. They're, they could be the key ingredient of the songs. Um, and I think that's why I keep coming back to this because again, like I only got this for a little bit and I want it. I want more. I yeah, want that honky fix. tonk could keep going. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then the whole ending with like the chanting kind of, um, you know, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven part and, and how it kind of fades out. And then later on we get a reprise of, of the, be- of sections of this, huh. you know, in, in one of the later songs. Um, I don't know. I, I, I value these type of things in songs. So JP. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't need to process it. I'm already processed. And my oh, opinion is, shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> it's good. Which oh. is great and good. Um, no, I, I think there are distinct elements to it. If you just, if you don't pick them out, it all feels so good to listen to. You don't even notice it. You know, you don't even, yeah. it, it just like flows together, even though they're, really distinct pieces that's the thing like it doesn't play as like here's part a part b part c it flows it has a natural progression right um because otherwise like you know that's one thing for me when i'm listening to music is if i can hear here's the sections almost like if there isn't that kind of overarching craft there or the melody that ties it all together then you know, I probably won't be as interested in it in, a, in the long term. But if there's, you can tell there's like there's a whole thought put beti- behind the whole entire song, then that's what's going to give it staying power. Even just as a storyteller, those three elements, you know, they, they, they feel like they belong together. Mm. So none of them, it's never jarring when he goes from this kind of soft ballad to that like carnal for carnival barker kind of voice you know what i mean mm. and i did feel like uh, i mentioned hearing what felt like elements of like kansas and boston it did feel there was there's a tonality to the way he sings and the way he plays guitar it's like right after that like carnival part i think and before the one two three four five six seven i'm like this happens 10 years later but it sounds like they were influenced by this element again and i also i for some reason in this song and a day in the life I kept thinking of Queen at a certain point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. I and mean, I was, yeah. I mean, this that the middle section of this song, like that's Queen's wheel. Fo- yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt yeah, uh, and there was a there's a part like right after the, I think the uh, clock goes off in a day in the life that I was like, okay, this this could be like the origin of a Queen song or something like yeah, that. Sure. So yeah, I loved it. It was great. I was actually very afraid. I just want to say like I was very afraid going into this episode that I would start listening to it. And I wouldn't like it at all. And then I'd be like, shit, I'm about to go into a room full of people who love the Beatles. And I'm just going to have to like make believe I like it enough to not just be a horrible person. Can you imagine what this three hours would have been like? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) One of our first episodes of of YCDD, I feel like I wasn't like honest with myself about the way I I was kind of like, yeah, I'm a cool kid, too. Like when we were talking with Jess, like you guys were having this great musical conversation. I was kind of just like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of stuff I I actually like didn't fully agree with. But I just felt too awkward to, to say anything, which I wouldn't do today, but sure. like early on. I was well, just like, well, I mean, for me, the three of you are all musicians and are talking about this stuff in ways that I can't even pretend to like contribute to. You, and, you're, you're so well-spoken about music, though. I, yeah, I mean, sure, it's, it really like, doesn't you, feel you like, like what yourself. you're talking yeah. about. Well, I, I'm not fishing for a compliment. What, no, I, I love and you, and you're a beautiful man, you're and you're such a pretty face. Stop it. And stop it, all of you. You're taller than you think you are. You're taller than you think you are. Yeah, that's true. Do you like a Mike Handsomer than I actually am. 
love your sweater. My voice isn't as obnoxious as it is at the moment. Sounds great. Um, it's, it's really no, but you know, but, into a good but place. there are are, are there are um, there is a lexicon that you can draw from that I can't, and I knew that coming into this. And I'm like, just don't, just you know, don't. You don't have to contribute to every part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, but, but we haven't been listening to the Beatles since we were eight. And and yeah, you know, but I haven't right. been listening to them like Matt has been. So yeah. I don't think any of us are sort of, you know, uh, you know, or obviously you two are approaching this relatively yeah. uh, blind. But sure. you know, Matt and I have very different relationship with this music. Mm-hmm. But I think there's always someone that's going to know more than you. Oh yeah, yeah. And I know, like if if we had Chris not here that he like, he knows music in ways that I cannot comprehend. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, it's another language to him. So, uh, and sometimes that's helpful for me cause I can talk to him and explain it to him. And then he could kind of relay back to me what the thing is. Oh sure. And like, but growing up, that's a tough thing to get over. It is. Mm. And to feel comfortable with like, Oh, I, I can't contribute, but like, you know, I, I shouldn't be expected to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I think that's the thing when we set out doing a Beatles episode, cause like even like leading up, like when we decided to do it, I'm like, Oh, I love the Beatles. I'm so excited about this. But leading up to it, I was like, God damn it. Why did we say yes to this? Like, what are we going to possibly say about the fucking Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> because they've so much has been said about yeah. them. But then I was just like, you know what? It's going to be okay because it's not about, it's not about what we know about the Beatles because mm. I'm sure we've gotten some stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about us. hopefully the two of you, you know, maybe trying to understand where yeah. why we like this band yeah. Yeah. and why they're an important band. And, and in the grand scheme of things, another six hours about the Beatles uh, in the form of a, a, a self-congratulatory podcast is just a drop in the bucket. <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. Do you think we'll do another six hours? We should we should go for another. We've six already hours. gone six yeah. hours. So, um, so uh, let's, let's, clo- do, let's just let's close do it off song by song. The White Album. Let's let's close so. it. Let's uh, let's close things out with a day in the life. stated uh up front in our first episode <laughs> um we cheated a bit and and obviously we're doing this out of order uh but this does feel like a, a nice ending to all this mm-hmm. and this is the final song for sergeant pepper mm-hmm. um and i felt like we couldn't really talk about the beatles without the song because i i feel like this might be one of the best songs 
ever written. It's up there. It's it's definitely up there for me. I, yeah. I think. It's Are a you willing to go on the record? It's what? a hot take. What's that? I'm just being. <laughs> what, yeah, what, it, what has a, it, it has a Wikipedia page. Fuck you. <laughs> the length of the entire Beatles Wikipedia page yeah. itself. It's yeah. crazy. Oh, really? Sure. It's huge. What makes it that way for you? I think like I mean, if you listen to everything we were talking about with Abbey Road is all in this song. And everything that came after this, I think, is all kind of... It feels, even with Sgt. Pepper, that this sticks out in some ways. It still feels super modern to me. Uh, and I guess Lennon had sort of these pieces. He had, like, these verses and in, in this ending. And McCartney had a separate song, and they just happened to fit, and they kind of put it together. Hmm. But I, you know, I remember hearing this when I was little and always just being, like, enamored by it. It always pulls me in, always, and I can't explain it. I th- I think it it what it evokes, the imagery and the feeling of this is what I look for in music. And I again, you know, I keep saying this, but it is still very exploratory. Uh, and 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 sonically, you know, they layered several orchestras uh, mm-hmm. on top of each other for that ending cacophony, and hearing this as a kid and hearing that noise and, and and knowing that music could both be really gentle and inviting, but also foreign and scary is something that has stuck with me and, and is one thing I value in, in all music mm-hmm. that juxtaposition of the chaos and the crazy with the beauty. Um, and that's why one of my favorite bands is Radiohead. Cause I think they do that tremendously well. And I think all that is in this this pop song, <laughs> uh, and and still when I hear it now, it, it gives me goosebumps and it feels brand new. Yeah, this is a song that I don't think about a lot, and I always assume it's not gonna be as good as its legend says it's gonna be, and I'm hypnotized every time I listen to it, and it's. It's violent and it's scary and it's awful and it's fun and like so upbeat and like that uh, somebody spoke and I went into a dream and that like that just that choral thing that happens. It's like it is this weirdly transcendent piece of music and like for for me it really is like when I'm in it I'm in it and then it's over and I like you know I have no urge to go back and listen to it immediately or. I don't I don't think about it anymore. It's just it just goes away. And it's such a weird kind of magic trick they seem to have played with it. I think my favorite thing about this song is actually probably my favorite thing about this whole exercise is you know this sense that yeah, everything about the Beatles has already been said and I haven't heard it yet. Right? And and this song kind of ending on this kind of feels actually sort of like the same way. It's like most of the rest of this playlist, like I got by, you know, carefully listening to it with intention and this song came and it's like, Ooh, kind of wrecked me a little bit in ways that the other songs just hadn't like there's, there's kind of a, a gravity to this and, and a, a purpose to kind of the vivid imagery of this. That's the skill is there in the songwriting and the storytelling and the other songs, but 
like to <laughs> to have a lyric that says he blew his mind out in a car he didn't notice the lights had changed a crowd of people stood and stared they'd seen his face before nobody was really sure if he was from the house of lords it's like i have you know it's like i don't know what that's about i haven't read any of the context or the history but hearing that lyric and then reading it and being like no that's really what they said oh okay this this doesn't feel like the all you need is love or the you know, like the happy sunshiny like mm. you know twist and shout band like this is this just feels like a a, a different place that they're drawing from in this song um, so I, I I like it it's beautiful and it's sad and I yeah I'm excited to hear more things that are like this if there are more and if this is the only one then great we've got it. I don't feel like there's a lot more for you to say. <laughs> I was really I'm hoping just, after all this flowery exposition, you were yeah. just going to be like, this song sucks. <laughs> Weak uh, sauce. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say. Uh, I, I think I I enjoyed this song a lot, much the same as you guys did. Uh, I really liked the line, having read the book. Like, I, There was just something about like thinking about people talking about movies and ha- like wanting to like stay through something because they'd read the book even in 19... 19- yeah, it's such a trivial observation. But, yeah. Uh, John was funny like that. Yeah. Uh, the Queen aspect again. But yeah, I mean, it was just the the orchestration and like that crescendo that they do a few times in the song was surprising because it, it felt... Uh, it felt like off-putting, but it also uh, like made sense in the song. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything valuable to add to this one, except it was a good song, and I really like the way uh, Ringo's Tom sounded in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. my favorite uh, and, Ringo track of all. Of them. <laughs> and, and that final note, at least at the time when it was recorded, was the longest recorded su- sustained note. Huh. I guess they had hmm. like I forgot how many pianos it was. It was like multiple pianos that they had lined up and hmm. wow. hit them all together. Oh yeah, because they in the it, Wikipedia entry, they yeah. every I think everyone in the song got credited with like hitting a note yep. on a piano at the end of the song. Even Ringo, yeah. I was like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere. Hit that one, Ringo. <laughs> this one. So Bingo. here we are. We're at I, the end of this. I can't believe long we did it. Road. Oh my god! And Tony's like, oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do we end? <sighs> how do we end? Well, like all right. This? Do we end it on that long piano note? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, several uh, we end it play? on if, you know, I, I have a good sense of how you both feel about this, but yeah. what are your closing thoughts? This was, this is your blind spot. Hmm. How do you feel about the Beatles? How JP? do you feel? You don't have to get brainy about it, man. Like, yeah. how do you feel? He's doing heart? his last question oh. thing where he's trying to like sum up the, how do I feel about the Beatles? Yes. How do you feel now having spent as much time as you have yeah with the music i mean i i would hope that that through this the the evidence and the verdict is crystal clear yeah by the audience listening uh it was a hypothetical i'm still not really a fan of uh talking badly about the beatles i think that i uh no i i i like the beatles now um i appreciate so much more um having listened you know, listen to them and actually heard them. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I said it a few minutes ago, but like, I'm, I'm pumped to like, uh, about the fact that like so much has been said and written and put down and produced by this band that there's this whole 
treasure trove of things to now explore and go through and you know seek people's opinions on and like yeah i'm just i'm pumped about it um, i think it's really cool and you know thank you guys for opening this this little microcosm of the world up for me uh, it it really does bring a whole new joy to music that wasn't there before wow yeah. that's great cool. that's yeah. awesome i love it you like that commercial that was in black and white and then at the end of listening to the beatles it's all in color it's pleasantville it's a movie it's i was just gonna say that because mm. <laughs> the beatles are sex <laughs> yeah. they do have that song where paul's just like why don't we do it in the road yeah why have don't we listen do to that one yet no not yet which road. one's where was that that's on, on white album potholes I, I didn't make it that's why i didn't make it through the white album <laughs> or abbey back. road all the way through. you have so much to listen Watch to out for potholes yeah. they were they're hard <laughs> Uh, I I think I share a similar sentiment, but I would express it in a different way. I actually feel after listening and digging in so much to this, I feel kind of exhausted. Sure. Uh, It's a lot. It was a lot to take in. And, you know, and I I guess, you know, a couple of weeks is a short period of time, but it was only 40 minutes, right? You know, there's a lot of albums I listen to that are 40 minutes long and I enjoy and, and then it's just done and it has done nothing. But yeah, I'm tired. I'm like actually tired from going through this. Uh, and a little frustrated that both that I hadn't done it up until this point, but also that I enjoyed it as much as I did mm. and fell in, gotcha. yeah. fell into just the, everybody's like, oh yes, yeah, it's, it's the Beatles. Like you're going to like them. Mm. And you know, there was definitely a side of me that wanted to, to be like, aha, I don't, right. <laughs> they stink. Um, <laughs> I find like throughout my life that anytime I've had that reaction, that it's not genuine. And even if I don't like it, the thing that I was rejecting, it was still coming from a bad place. It was, yeah, it was a contrarian. Yeah, it was combative. Yeah, um, like a devil's advocate. Sure. What, what if they're not good? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to listening to more. I probably I probably won't listen to more for a few weeks. Oh yeah, because my break. I feel I feel a little burnt out. Even though there's probably I could probably listen to so many other songs and have a completely different experience. I think I need to like cleanse a little bit and then come back to it but i want to come back to it so i'm excited to come back to it nice nice so are you guys done with the beatles yet never no i mean for me it it comes and goes in waves so um yeah this is probably the longest i've spent with uh revolver ever which has been really fun so yeah i might keep that one in rotation for a bit but then it might go away but i'll come back to it and yeah it's always there that's kind of the the joy of it and the intimidating part is it's always been there. What do you mean you haven't <laughs> listened to the Beatles yet? <laughs> I think it's just how you approach it. And again, like it's always about not what do you mean you haven't listened to? It's more like, oh, you have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. And it's how you frame it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to get swept up in that, you know, what? What is wrong with you? I've yeah. done mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, but like, again, there's always going to be someone that hasn't seen or watched or or listen to what you have so mm-hmm. it's always good to do it and like oh you get to experience this because yeah. i know if i were to hear some of this for the first time i'd that'd be that remarkable because again a lot of this was i don't remember the first time i heard it mm-hmm. I, I have no memory because right. i was so little you know i mean i mean i know for me like uh you know my parents were 10 and 12 when they called it quits you know so like they were they were children they weren't yeah. even old enough to have been like that teacher I, I had. You, I was like, when your oh, yeah, parents, parents called it quits, divorced. I was like, well, no, 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 they were no, married no, very well. young. But, you know, but they weren't They weren't the, the age of that teacher I was talking about mm. earlier who, like, was the age. Like, mm. yeah, he was a, you know, a teenager or maybe even in his early 20s when the Beatles were, like, at their 
you know, their peak in the late sixties and seventies. Right. And you know, what's that like? I mean, we're a couple of generations post Beatles, you know what I mean? I mean, what was it? It's been what? 52 years or something since the last thing they recorded. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane to think they were doing these things a half century ago. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, well, oh, so, all right. So typically on our show, we'll do recommendations at the end of each episode. And we're not going to spring that on the two of you now. Obviously, we've we've just been through <laughs> this this journey. What do, you, what, do what do you mean? What do you mean? We make recommendations based off of... If you like this, if you like the Beatles, where would you go next, dude? I've I've got like, and I seven. honestly, aside from listening to to more Beatles, I think um, that you guys would really take to all of their first solo records. Hmm. Well, They're all great, even Ringo's. Um, he is a solo. Record? Oh yeah, yeah I knew there was a Ringo Starr band, his but big I didn't beautiful know. faces. Yeah, on it. but his first mm-hmm. one is called "Sentimental Journey," and it's all standards that he kind of grew up with, and he had a lot of his friends come and do arrangements, and he sings on all of them. Uh, and it's it's fun. It's a throwback, um, but you know it's got a lot of quirk to it. But you know George Harrison's first solo record is called "All Things Must Pass," and it's this sprawling his his ode to god and it's basically all these songs that he had collected over time you know like he was the one that was kind of like well you'll get a couple songs on the record george so he had so much and it's one of the most beautiful records it's just it's stunning and and again it's about his connection to god and and um and it has that kind of quality to it where you can hear someone searching and for meaning um and it's it's if you like some of the more plaintive, thoughtful songs that he wrote um, uh, on the records that we showed you, then that record is is great. And McCartney's first record is self-titled and he did it all on his own hmm. in his home. And it's pretty much just like a, fuck, I could do whatever I want. And it feels that way. It's like a sketchbook. Huh. So it's like weird pieces, unfinished, uh, some fully fleshed out songs. Uh, and it's great because it's kind of like um, that song, You Never Give Me Your Money, as an album. Hmm. <laughs> in sense that it's loose and, and, and uh, like he's free in hmm. some ways. Uh, his follow-up is also great, but I'm not going there yet. Uh, and then Lennon's first solo record feels like a therapy session. It's hmm. called The Plastic Ono Band. And it's very stripped down, very minimal. And he screams a lot. Huh. Uh, but it's it's really great um because he's just kind of like i'm free of this thing uh and you know where's the catharsis uh where do i go what do i do um they're all great so i would you know as your next step i would definitely recommend all of those yeah i am gonna take a cheat here in the same way that you both sort of had this barrier up for the beatles i would say think about some other piece of art, maybe a film or a book um, or a TV show or another band that has this kind of mystique and status and reverence around it that maybe you've kept at arm's length for whatever reason. You don't think it's in your wheelhouse, too much hype. Um, and maybe find some time to form an opinion. Because I think this was fun to observe and be a part of. And uh, there is no shortage of these 
kinds of experiences left. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, that, that revelation is not limited to something that hasn't been made yet. There's still a lot of rocks to turn over. So I would say do that because I didn't think of a recommendation beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just left it because I thought that was lovely. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Ah, yeah. shit. That was great. Yeah. yeah, you're very handsome. I like so, you. Um, tall. So JP Steve. <laughs> you're so tall. <laughs> JP Steve, uh, where can our listeners find you? We have a podcast on the internet called You Can Donut Donut. Our, uh, how to make artisanal donuts Spark in up. your own home. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had these two wonderful gentlemen on our show. Uh, you can do it, do it. It's a podcast about people who tried something and uh, well, you don't really listen to our show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they tried something. Yes, and uh, yeah. So you can find JP and I online. We do a podcast together called You Can Do It, Do It. It's about people who tried new things and had it transform their life in some way. And this was a super transformative thing for us. But you can find our website and podcast at youcandoitdoit.com. Sweet. You okay, Tony? I'm, 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 I'm crashing hard, I fellas. think Tony dies. <laughs> yeah. This is two nights in a row of podcasting for yeah, us. This is exhausting. Yeah. And it's a whole month of podcasting. We've been yeah, podcasting a lot. We're, we're really getting them in there. Well, thanks, thanks, gentlemen, for being on the show. And yeah, and, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, for, this was really, this is really great. Yeah, you both went above and beyond. We, yeah. uh, we thought we were, you know, making it easier by not asking you to listen to four entire albums. Steve, you did anyway. Um, that said, we still spent eighteen hours talking about eleven songs. <laughs> this one's gonna be tricky to cut yeah. down. <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot of it's garbage. Good thing in there. February was only twenty nine days because yeah, we've been here for a, we've been here for a while. Yeah. yeah. And we're starting to stink, but um, I love it. Yeah, thanks a bunch, and we'll see you next time. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to What Did We Miss? If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at What Did We Miss? And if you want to drop us a line, our email is whatdidwemisspod at gmail.com. And thanks as always to the What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence. For more information, you can go to their website at whatcheerclub.org or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at whatcheerclub.